Richie Mars here. Thank you so much for clicking on today's episode. And thank you for making last week's episode the highest listened to episode after the premiere. Seriously, I can't thank you guys enough. And today's episode, we are starting WrestleMania month. That's right, for the month of March, every week, the subject will be WrestleMania related. And we're starting off with a big one. It is Kofi Mania, the story that took so many hearts and pulled on so many heartstrings from everybody. And my special guest is Thomas Milhaven, a WWE fan, but more importantly, a Kofi Kingston fan. And we're going to get into the good, the bad, and the ugly concerning Kofi Mania. We're going to go through his rise to the WWE Championship to his fall for Brock Lesnar, and we're going to see the reaction that all of us had when Brock Lesnar ended Kofi Mania, and if Kofi Kingston will reach the top of the mountain again. And we'll also get into Kofi Kingston's run as WWE Champion, and what exactly went right, went wrong, and everything in between. Sit back, relax, and Enjoy the show. Hey, Thomas, how are you doing today? Good, I'm doing good. How are you? Doing fantabulous. I always ask people when they first get on the show how you got into wrestling. So give me like the uh, the cliff note version. I think the first time I was exposed to wrestling was, I would probably have to say like 10, maybe 11. I remember it very specifically. Uh, I was going downstairs to get water for my room and my brother was watching wrestling in the, the living room. And I've never seen it before. And I kind of like stood there and watched like alongside with him just in the back. And I think the the specific match it was, it had, it, I know Edge was in it. And I can't remember anything else. But I just remember Edge being in it. And he was the first wrestler I watched. And, and then from then on, I just kept on watching it without him. And now I'm a big wrestling fan today. <laughs> That's good, man. More and more, I've been hearing that Edge is one of the people that brought people into wrestling. So it's really cool that he's getting his just due now, especially when he had to retire. Now he's back uh, here and there in WWE. So it's really cool to see how much of an influence Edge has on this current crop of fandom. But the story uh, you want to focus on today is... Kofi Kingston, Kofi Mania against Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 35. Yes. Now, why do you want to talk about Kofi Mania? Uh, one of the main reasons was because how it showed like the two different sides of not just Kofi, where like the the goofy New Day to like this serious, completely new Kofi Kingston, like since I think when he had his whole Jamaican thing. But also showed the two sides of Daniel Bryan to where when he was the underdog, he went through like, I would say worse than what Kofi did. But he turned into the one thing that kind of held him back back when he had his run. So that's one of the main reasons I really liked it. Yeah, it's almost like Daniel Bryan became everything that he hated during Kofi Mania. He became this big villain. He was the one who was calling everyone a B-plus player when yeah. the authority, Triple H, Vincent McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, 
they were calling him a B-plus player. And it was very interesting to see the parallels between Kofi Mania and Daniel Bryan, but also being its own story. And I think that's what was very interesting to me when I was watching it back. Exactly, yeah. Let me ask you this. What were your thoughts of Kofi Kingston pre-New Day? His first shot as a singles. He had the Intercontinental title. He had the United States title. He had multiple tag team titles. How do you think of Kofi Kingston as a performer pre-New Day? I think he was definitely one of like the most underused performers. I, I've always been a big fan of Kofi. Just all all of his moves. Like He has the craziest move set in WWE to this day, I still think. He's, he wasn't even bad on the mic, even when he had the Jamaican accent when when they changed it over for Survivor Series. Like, it wasn't... He never really failed at any of the categories that made a wrestler. I think he excelled at everything. What moves did you like of Kofi? Uh, I really liked SOS. It was, like, it was a really cool-looking move. I remember when I first saw it, I was, like, in awe because I did not expect... When he, had like, set it up normally, I did not expect him to do a flip when he originally did it. So I, I was shocked. And to this day, I still love it because you can just do it out of nowhere. Apparently he got that from, I'm trying to, th- I believe it was street fighter. He got that from street fighter. Somebody's like, one of their moves was the SOS like thing. So he's like, yeah, why don't I try this? And then he actually did it. And now he's still, no now, now, it's, now, now it's one of his uh, signature moves to this day. Well, I did not know that. As Kofi was rising the ranks as a solo, he stopped into this inevitable force known as Randy Orton. Now they brought this up in TV, which is why I feel comfortable about saying saying like what the rumors were at the time that Randy Orton kind of stalled Kofi Kingston's ascent to the top. Because if you notice after that one match where Randy Orton just yells and calls him stupid, stupid, you saw Kofi's opportunities at a main event scene dwindle level by level and it just kind of seemed he was stuck in neutral for a bit like a kind of like that mid-card purgatory where so many other favorites like john morrison dolph ziggler would just kind of end up in as a kofi kingston fan how did it make you feel seeing him not getting the opportunities that they sort of teased with in the past i think at the time i was kind of I was really sad because I hated to see Kofi kind of this all out talented man who can do anything any wrestler can do better kind of just like suffocated down and kind of stomped on a bit by any wrestler and used as as pretty much as a jobber at one point, I would say. But looking back at it now, I still didn't really get it, but I understand why Randy would do that because he, he personally like didn't think he was ready after like botching that move mm-hmm. so he he kind of used his authority to bring him down and it made out for a pretty good story so in the end it kind of worked out kofi would kind of be in that purgatory for a bit where he would go out do good matches maybe be on main event maybe be on the main show but he was in that good guy pull out a great match out of anybody and then kind of hit the showers, not really being involved in storylines as much until Xavier Woods, Biggie and Kofi Kingston, they were all brought together as a group called the new day. They were teasing on television that Kofi Kingston and Biggie were friends. This was after Biggie's first intercontinental championship run. Kofi Kingston and Biggie would tag team from time to time. 
and after a loss to Rybaxel, I think, Ryback and Curtis Axel, Xavier Woods came out and he said, this is exactly what I'm talking about. So from now on, we take, and they teased all three of them being in group, but it was a very serious group. And then they would get written off of TV to kind of retool the group. And then they come out as the New Day, the preacher group, where they were surrounded by a choir. They would all talk about the power of positivity and they'd be a three-man group. How did you feel about Kofi Kingston being with Biggie and Xavier Woods? Personally, I'm not a big fan of the New Day. Like, not not really enjoyed them too much. So for Kofi, one of the main reasons I didn't like it, because I felt like it was kind of holding Kofi back, even though they have like, was like 16 time tag team champion. Cause Kofi, he can still outperform many of the wrestlers, even in more Royal Rumble really shows it most of the time. And that's kind of like his pay-per-view, but there were like some new day storylines, like with, uh, uh Wyatt family like that's when I started to like kind of enjoy them a little bit more and then they grew on me as time went on and I do like them now but back then when it first happened I kind of felt bad for Kofi it kind of seemed like they just put this group together who had a lot of talents and they're putting them in this group and it seems like they were almost being set up to fail with the whole preacher gimmick yeah but to their credit, they knew the chemistry between the group was what really sold them as an act. And slowly but surely, they started showing their own personalities. They'd be more over the top, you know, with the bootio cereal and then the pancakes and the unicorns. And they really became a very marketable team. One of the main reasons I think New Day was pushed the way they were was because of like market sales and how easily it is to push them to a younger audience because it was all bright colors and like power positivity. And I mean, they still they still are easily marketable, but they also have proven that they're also like good in the ring and also like in backstage on the mic. All of them do bring something different to the table because you have the power of Big E, you have the speed of Kofi Kingston. And then you have the sharp tongue of Xavier Woods. And together they make this one super group that can take on anybody and anything. But it was kind of relegated to the tag team scene for a while. They had the previous record-breaking tag team title uh, reign that broke the demolitions record. It's now since been broken by the Usos. But they were primarily a tag team act. And I remember... At least for me, I was thinking, when will they give these guys an opportunity to do singles? Because we knew how good Kofi is. We knew how good Big E is. And we knew how good Xavier Woods is. So it seemed like they were kind of confined in this tag team purgatory. Back when the tag team division was just primarily New Day and Usos and throwing the bar for a while. Did you think that act would just be relegated towards like tag team purgatory? At that time, tag team, it was kind of, they were all like mid card matches. There was never a main event tag team match unless it was like a big six man with a bunch of different wrestlers. But for like the, the new day, they were definitely in a purgatory type sense where it was kind of just them against the Usos for like the 90th time. 
then they retain the title, lose it, retain against the Usos again. It, it was a bit back and forth. For me, just looking at the career of Kofi Kingston, it just seemed like it's like being a Mets fan in a lot of ways. And <laughs> and you know where I'm going with this, where yeah. it's like you just want to see them do like do well. And then you see like like bad trades or just like outlandish things that are happening to the players or just like games that they should have won. And it just seems like they're never going to get their moment to shine. And that's what it felt like with Kofi Kingston. And that's how I feel about Dolph Ziggler is one of my favorite wrestlers. That's how I feel about him currently, because I know if they give him a chance, he can knock it out of the park. And Kofi Kingston just needed that one chance to prove that he does belong in a top tier storyline and carry it full wholeheartedly. And that's where Kofi mania comes to play is at Elimination Chamber in 20, 2019. Yeah, 2019. And Mustafa Ali gets injured. He gets hurt. So they need to find a replacement. They teased all night, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Big E? Is it going to be Xavier Woods? Is it going to be Kofi Kingston? And then it eventually is Kofi Kingston. Now, is this the moment where you think Kofi is going to shock the world? Or do you think he was just kind of going to just have a good showing and then just kind of be treated as a fill-in for Mustafa Ali. I thought he was definitely just going to be a fill-in, not really going to have too much going on because I think before that time, he none of the New Day really had shown much single experience uh, like just since the New Day started. So just to, to throw a random like three-man tag team wrestler into a one-on-one gauntlet match kind of out of the blue it didn't really like look too good for him it looked like he was definitely gonna just hit hit a good trouble in paradise get one person then get pinned by the next and just call it a night they portrayed this elimination chamber as everybody already had kind of like a feud with each other they had Samoa Joe Mustafa Ali over here. They had AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan still doing their thing. And then they had the pass of Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy kind of in the mix. So there were stories set up within that elimination chamber. And when you take one of those players out and trying to start a whole continuity into that storyline, it might throw some things off. But with this WrestleMania, the WWE championship picture wasn't as clear. So you couldn't point to something oh yeah, Daniel Bryan's definitely defending the WWE championship against AJ or something. There were, there were no clear indications on who would be that challenger within this match. And I think that's how it definitely helped Kofi Mania become as big as they did because with Kofi Kingston's performance, he knocked off, he knocked off the WWE champion, Daniel Bryan. He knocked off Jeff Hardy. He knocked off Samoa Joe. And then he finally lost to AJ Styles. And then Randy Orton came in, hit the RKO. He's the last man in the chamber. But that match definitely showed and reminded people who were watching for a long time that Kofi Kingston does have this tremendous ability to not only connect with the fans, but be a tremendous performer when given the opportunity in his own right. And I remember this distinct part in the match Samoa Joe he's pissed that Kofi eliminated him and is attacking him outside and AJ Styles makes the save and the referee's going to Kofi and Kofi's dazed he doesn't know what's going on and AJ comes to him he's like come on man you did your best you could stop it's fine don't worry about it 
And then Kofi just fires up and he just pushes AJ. He's like, come on, man, ring the bell. You don't tell me when to go home. I fought for this for 11 years. And he's like, fight me, fight me. And then he's like going down defiantly. And we haven't seen that side of Kofi in a really long time. How did you think about that switch? It looked like that Kofi Kingston ignited during that gauntlet match. I, I was on my feet when that happened. Like I was, I was, I couldn't have been happier because I was starting to see at that time, like this is finally going to be his moment. Like he's, he may like lose the match, but he's going to show the universe that, Hey, I, I can wrestle. Like I can do anything that you guys want me to do. And uh, like, and it, I think it happened at the perfect time too. I don't think there was an, any other moment building up to elimination chamber. If it was any other pay-per-view, I don't think it would have worked as well as it did there. Without, intending it i feel like gave him a canvas and they're saying all right you have the opportunity to have four distinct matches with four of the best guys we have on this roster make them all different and make them your own and kofi kingston passed with flying colors oh yeah 100 percent. he because like he, he didn't knock off like easy people like they were all people who could easily dominate any other person on the roster he showed that he, he can be on top on like easily 100%. I also remember the year prior people clamoring for Kofi and they did something similar at Money in the Bank where a member of New Day was going to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match. And they tease Big E going in, Big E steps back. They tease Xavier coming in, he rips off his shirt and just says Kofi on it and then it was Kofi that was going to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match and the crowd were just on their feet. They were chanting for Kofi. And that was the first time, at least in my mind, saying Kofi still has an opportunity here. The door hasn't completely shut on it just yet. Like for the money in the bank, I think that like not just show the universe that Kofi can do it, but also show Vince and everyone backstage that people don't forget or they haven't forgotten what Kofi has done. So... I think once I realized like the door shutting and everything, I think he would eventually kick it open, whether like Vince wanted to or not. And that takes us to the elimination chamber. So Kofi Kingston is riding high after the one hour performance in the gauntlet match. And Kofi Kingston, I'm not sure if you know, like remember this spot, but Daniel Bryan's like on top of one of the pods and he's hiding from Samoa Joe and Kofi Kingston and Kofi Kingston catapults himself from the top rope to the chamber and Daniel Bryan's like cowering in fear and the crowd is going crazy. They want this man to have his moment. I, I remember exactly like that spot because it, it's like a core memory in my mind because that's what like it was crazy as a Kofi fan just seeing him like make the make the current champion Daniel Bryan who, I mean, everyone hated at that point. He he was really good at being a heel and building up the hate, making him cower in a corner. Like, no one ever thought you'd see Kofi Kingston making the current champion, no matter who it was, cowering in fear. Especially because Daniel Bryan is in this bad guy, heel, planet's champion mode. He has the hemp WWE championship. He's condemning the universe for, say, for being anti-vegan really leaning into that self-righteous character, becoming everything that he once hated. And Kofi Kingston being the one to not only stand up to him, he did beat him in that gauntlet on 
SmackDown. So there was a chance that Kofi Kingston, since he beat him on SmackDown, he could beat him at Elimination Chamber. But unfortunately, that is not to be. The match is closing with Daniel Bryan against Kofi Kingston. And Daniel Bryan's doing the yes kicks, and then Kofi's firing up. He's slapping his chest. He's like, come on, kick me, kick me. Daniel Bryan keeps kicking him. Kofi's firing up. And it then it leads to the final moments of the match where Kofi is on top of the pod. Daniel Bryan is laying prone on the mat. Kofi Kingston jumps off for a giant splash. Daniel Bryan rolls out of the way and then hits the running knee. One, two, three. Kofi Kingston is defeated. But instead of the pay-per-view going off the air, like it usually does, like closing in on the winner, the chamber door opens up. Kofi Kingston is sitting on the steel steps on the outside, and he's joined by the New Day, Biggie and Xavier Woods, and he's telling him, you did your best, you did your best. And in the background, you could see not only the chamber, but you see them sitting down and the WrestleMania logo. At this point, did you think they were going to do Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, or did you think it would just be the next pay-per-view, which they had was Fastlane? I thought it was going to be WrestleMania. I knew that they weren't going to like end it there because he had too much hype, too much like momentum built up behind them. So just to end it at Elimination Chamber or go to Fastlane, I, I, I just had a gut feeling that it was going to go to WrestleMania with Kofi and Daniel Bryan, but I didn't expect it to go with like all the momentum it had. Kofi Kingston's announced as the number one contender for the WWE Championship, and then... The next week, they're going to sign the contract. Kofi Kingston's finally going to get his first one-on-one shot for the WWE Championship in 11 years. They're both in the ring. Kofi Kingston is celebrating. And before he could put pen to paper, Vince McMahon shows up and he says, Congratulations, Kofi Kingston. Your performances have been on fire. Unfortunately, you're not box office. So let me show you who's going to be your replacement. I'm going to take you out of the match. Here is Daniel Bryan's opponent. And then Kevin Owens shows up and the new day are going crazy. Kofi Kingston's looking disappointed. He's frustrated. Kevin Owens bypasses Kofi Kingston, sits down, signs the contract, and he has the championship opportunity at Fastlane. Now, when Vince McMahon said, we need box office, And he says Kevin Owens' name. I'm a huge Kevin Owens fan. I think he's phenomenal. But it was kind of weird what they did. They were bringing back Kevin Owens as a babyface. But if the WWE fans saw anyone but Kofi get in that position of challenger for the WWE Championship, they weren't going to gravitate towards them. I felt like this hindered Kevin Owens' babyface turn, good guy turn, on the wrong foot. How did you think they handled this situation here? The main reason they did it, and this is like just what I theorized, was just so they can have the Kevin Owens versus Kofi match later on when he gets the championship to have more impact on Kofi. Because it kind of did the same thing as Randy, even though like Kevin Owens didn't use his power to like keep Kofi back, but Vince kind of... like imaged his power onto Kevin Owens as he was walking down saying that like you're not box office and when he said you're not box office it felt weird 
like hearing that like because when you think box office Kofi, like Kofi and the New Day they're kind of like one of the top people you think of even at that time so seeing Kevin Owens walk down I was I was disappointed it seemed like Vince McMahon was saying any excuse to get Kofi Kingston outside of that WWE championship title picture it was like a good reminder of like also with the Daniel Bryan when he was coming up, it was it was kind of building similarities between those two storylines, how they both of them always get so close, but kind of drawn back a little bit right as they get to the gold. The New Day, they're obviously disappointed. Kevin Owens still has his match. But at Fastlane, Vince McMahon says it's going to be a triple threat match for the WWE Championship. So Kofi Kingston, get ready. So Kofi Kingston, he's all excited. He goes out to the ring and he's ready. He's waiting for his opportunity. But Vince McMahon says it's going to be a triple threat match for the WWE Championship. But Kofi Kingston, you are not in it. So here are your opponents for tonight. And the bar, Sheamus and Cesaro come up and beat the ever living tar out of Kofi. And it turns out the WWE Championship is going to be Daniel Bryan against Kevin Owens against... Mustafa Ali, he's back from injury. And when Mustafa Ali came out, he was he left as a good guy, a babyface. When he came here, he got so much heat because he was not Kofi Kingston. When you have a hot storyline like this, when it's all about Kofi at this point, if it's anybody but Kofi, there can be tremendous damage done to a superstar who's in that position, in that number one contendership position, in that championship position, that can face the backlash of it. Like, see Batista at when he returned in 2014, when he wasn't Daniel Bryan. How did you feel about Kevin Owens and Mustafa Ali being put in those, in that position of just, they're not Kofi, and the crowd is just going to turn on them regardless. At the time, uh, when I saw like it was Mustafa Ali, I I remember I walked away from the TV. I was very very mad, and I also at the same time I felt bad for uh, Ali because uh, I mean it wasn't really his decision. People kind of started hating him and like booing him, and he he's a good wrestler. He's a good guy, uh, and I think he still like feels the effects of that today. Because I I, I agree. Yeah, he hasn't been used in forever. But like in the match with uh, Kofi against the bar, uh, it was painful to watch because like you knew the bar normally does their thing where they just demolish someone. And I knew Kofi was going to get demolished. I it was It was painful to watch when that happened. And now Kofi Kingston, we don't know what his road to WrestleMania is going to be like. New Day, walking the SmackDown, and they're basically saying, we want Kofi Kingston to have an opportunity. We want him to have an opportunity for the WWE Championship. We don't understand why he's not getting this opportunity. So they call it Vince McMahon. And Vince says, oh, well, uh, you'll get your WWE Championship opportunity as long as you face this man. And Randy Orton comes out. And then Samoa Joe's music hits. He comes out. The Bar's music hits. They come out. Rowan's music hits. He comes out. So Kofi Kingston has to run the gauntlet again to become the number one contender for the WWE Championship. 
Whew. So they're really making they're making Kofi run the gambit. Did you think it was wise for them to use the gauntlet match again to build Kofi up? Did you think it was like more of the same? Or they're trying to recreate the magic? What did you feel? I think it was a good move because many of the people in that match, uh, like Samoa Joe, Randy Orton, they all, all like almost all of them came back for later matches. At the time, I was feeling worried for Kofi. Again, like when you have Samoa Joe in a, in a gauntlet match where his whole thing is wearing you down, hitting like quick quick hits, choking you out. Like I, I felt scared. That was like one of the most, like most uh, emotion I felt for a, a, a wrestler because I just knew it wasn't going to be pretty at all. But it really showed that Kofi... It, it's not a smooth road road to WrestleMania at all. It was probably one of the roughest, uh, but he showed that like he can adapt to any any road that Vince McMahon threw out for him. Kofi had to run the gauntlet the first time. Now he has to run another gauntlet just to get a championship match that arguably he already almost earned because he has pinned the champion before and he was entitled to that championship match at Fastlane before Kevin Owens came in. So I agree with you. I do think it was a very smart decision, not only from that standpoint, but also kind of showing us a little glimpse of the future when Kofi Kingston would face off against Randy Orton and Samoa Joe for the WWE championship. Yeah. And I think having the bar in there as well was a good move because it showed that he overcame what like challenges he had in the past especially with the bar and also Randy, but I think the bar was probably the best like filler people they could have in there. What I love about this story so much is that everything is so neatly tied together from when a lot of people like to, and myself included, like to compare this to the yes movement, Daniel Bryan, where Daniel Bryan had his road to the top to WrestleMania to get the WWE championship. With this one with Kofi, it was more of a controlled chaos as opposed to the completely chaotic Daniel Bryan rise to the top because a lot of the stuff for Daniel Bryan was almost out of the, the company's hands because the yes movement was so hot at the time with Daniel Bryan. And if the crowd didn't get Daniel Bryan, they were going to riot as we saw with past Royal Rumbles when the Royal Rumble winner wasn't Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And with this, they took the crowd support for Kofi and they let them in on this narrative and this roller coaster of emotions, but it was completely intentional while Daniel Bryan's rise was wasn't. So I think that's why I love this story that's similar but different. So we go to this next gauntlet match, and Kofi Kingston again is running a gauntlet. He beats Sheamus, he beats Cesaro, Rowan gets disqualified, he beats Samoa Joe, he beats Randy Orton, and the New Day celebrating. And then Vince McMahon comes out and he's like, Congratulations, Kofi, you are going to WrestleMania. And the crowd applause, they cheer. As long as you beat this last person. Daniel Bryan comes out. Daniel Bryan is beating beating on Kofi. Beating on Kofi. Kofi gets a little hope with a roll-up. One, two. Bryan kicks out. 
kicks Kofi in the head. And then Daniel Bryan does something that he hasn't done in a long time. And that is the yes chant. And this is the first and only time I think that I've seen Daniel Bryan do the yes chant and the entire crowd chanting no. And they're saying no, no. And then Daniel Bryan finally hits the knee. Hits Kofi, one, two, three. And Kofi Kingston is again denied his opportunity at WrestleMania. How did you feel, compared to the other gauntlet match, how did you feel about Kofi's performance in this one compared to the one prior? I think this one, it was way better. I like it clearly showed uh Kofi had more emotion, more power into this like coming into this match, more motivation. And uh with what you brought up with the Daniel Bryan no chant, I think that was a really like good moment like in Kofi Mania because it showed that Daniel Bryan, he's officially the villain of the story. Like or one of the villains because there's many in this one, but he's one of the main people keeping him back and the fans they don't want daniel bryan anymore they want kofi kingston and they finally turned completely on daniel bryan at that point this story and how they were tackling it was perfect he has the opportunity oh they took it away oh he earned it again oh they took it away we're so used for the rug to be pulled from under us because we have a lot of fan favorites that we had that we think get to the top moment and then boom, they're back down the card or they they get injured or what have you. So his road to WrestleMania, a lot of people, including myself, were fearful that th- this wasn't going to happen for Kofi. And I think this was almost that breaking point where people are like, oh, God, can we just let him have this moment? <laughs> it, it was like so anxiety inducing of just like, oh, we just want him to secure that, just sign the contract. And they, they, I'm going a little bit forward here, but they didn't announce this match was happening until the week before WrestleMania. So much so, I remember they didn't have a graphic until the Friday before or the SmackDown before. Like, like as a fan, how good does it feel that like you, you kind of see where the story is going, but you're not 100% sure. Do you like being in the know of just being like, oh yeah, I know where the story is going? Or is it just more anxiety inducing when you see a story go a certain way? It's like, oh, it'd be great if they go here, but I really hope they do it. But because if they don't, then it's going to be, uh, are you like one of those kinds of uh, fans? Or are you just enjoy the ride as it's happening? I like an unpredictable story. That's one of my favorite ones. And I think this was probably, it got kind of predictable with like every time Vince came out, like you're kind of like, okay, so he, there goes his chance. That sucks. I think this is kind of one of the perfect examples to show people like wrestling. They can have really good stories because like nowadays recently, and I, I don't know if I should say this, but nowadays stories haven't really been like the greatest of uh, storylines, but I think Kofi mania is a perfect example of the, like a good, perfect story. You don't expect it. You don't expect Kofi to be in this position. And now he's in this position as the main face of SmackDown, one of the brands. And now you see this groundswell of support and it's almost like, having something you never knew you wanted for a while because it's been so long since he's been he's been in that position 
and that's that's how you get emotionally attached to something that's how good characters are made and that's exactly what they did here they made kofi a central figure so much so to the point that he became arguably the talk of wrestlemania going into that season and during this time seth rollins won the royal rumble he's starting to get uh his uh momentum Becky Lynch is on fire at this point. She's going to main event WrestleMania at this time. And it's almost like Kofi hijacked the hype when that wasn't the intention at all. Do you think the Kofi mania damaged those other stories with Seth Rollins taking on Brock Lesnar and Becky Lynch getting her crowning moment for Ronda Rousey and Charlotte? It did hurt the stories like a hundred percent because like whenever they were on, people are like, where's Kofi? We, I want to know like where this story is going to go next. And Seth has always kind of, he's always been a main eventer, always kind of been the talk of WWE. But at that time he was kind of falling out, not as a wrestler, but as like a story character. The same thing with Becky Lynch. Cause all people wanted to know was Kofi at that time. Sometimes the journey is more interesting than the destination. And once you get to that pinnacle, sometimes with stories, you go, okay, now what? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So the story of Kofi Mania is so good that, at least in my mind, I was afraid that after, if Kofi got his moment at WrestleMania, the stories afterwards have to not only contend with that great build, but have to kind of live up to all right we already built kofi kingston up let's see what they do after the fact i think after like i'm going forward but after uh he won the championship i think a lot of people say the hype died off pretty quickly in my eyes i think it kind of plateaued in a way i think he reached his peak and then it stayed there for the next few matches and then I think I would say around Extreme Rules against uh, Samoa Joe, that's where it kind of started to fall down a bit because there's not much going on there. It wasn't really too much story that at least I enjoyed. But once it got to Randy Orton and everything like that, that's when it started to rise up again and like show that the story's still going on and Kofi Mania is nowhere like near over. I do want to give credit to the WWE.com team. Because they would do these uh, after show promos with the New Day when Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, and Big E, after Vince McMahon pulls the rug out under Kofi, they'll, they're, will be just in a room and they'll just be stewing because they'd just say, oh, the goalpost is being moved yet again. That glass ceiling is always going to be there no matter what you can do. Xavier Woods and Biggies, it's like, you know, why don't we just quit? And Kofi Kingston's like, wait, guys, if we quit, they win. Vince McMahon and Daniel Bryan, they win. We'll figure it out. And then that leads to the next week. New Day are in the ring. They're not making a big stink out of it. They're just in the ring and they're just saying, we want answers from Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon says, look, Kofi, when you go into the Hall of Fame, it's always going to be a part of New Day. It's not going to be you as a singles because Daniel Bryan says you are a B-plus player. And quite frankly, I agree with him. And Kofi Kingston says, look, I don't complain 
when things don't go my way. I don't complain when you put other people in front of me. I don't complain when you bypass me. I don't complain when I'm separated from my wife and my kids 350 days a year. All I want you to tell me is tell me what I got to do to earn that opportunity. And Vincent McMahon says, you know what, Kofi? Uh, you're you're out of uh, opportunities, pal. And he he actually, he actually says, just go back and uh, have a soda because you're not you're you're off tonight. I always think you're going to be a B plus player, but the question is whether you two and he points at Biggie and Xavier Woods are a B plus tag team. So then now the new day has to run the gauntlet. Do you think they're overusing the gauntlet trope a little bit, or do you think these gauntlets are adding to the story of the struggle of? New Day getting that shot for Kofi Kingston. I think by the third gauntlet for this one story, it felt a little too much with the New Day coming in. Like, I think uh, a tag team match against Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan probably would have had a little bit more impact. But also, it could have also hurt the story more with, like, being Daniel Bryan losing to the tag team before WrestleMania. It wouldn't really bode well, so... I guess the gauntlet the gauntlet was probably the best choice to show not only that like they're doing this to prove themselves as a tag team but also to show that like everyone cares about Kofi and that and Kofi's getting all the help that he needs but it's like no help at all cuz he doesn't want help. Another aspect of what I liked about the story is you have the Usos forfeiting against the New Day because they want to see Kofi Kingston succeed because of the matches they had with each other. So that's another little knot that's tying up. And then it's a trope in the wrestling community when there's a faction or a tag team with individuals. It's almost like a waiting game where they're like, all right, who's going to turn on who? Who's going to turn heel? Who's going to break away from the pack and become the Shawn Michaels to the Marty Jannetty? But the New Day is the first group that I remember from a really long time where their brotherhood, their friendship, really is their story. It's their character that these are three friends who will support each other throughout everything. And that happened in this gauntlet match because... Biggie and Xavier Woods, they don't get anything out of it. They don't get a match at this year's WrestleMania. All of this is to propel their friend Kofi Kingston, who for a decade plus didn't get that opportunity, and they are happy and willing to fight for him. And I think that's another beautiful part about this story because it's about friendship. It's about rising up against adversity. There are undertones there why Vince McMahon thinks Kofi Kingston doesn't deserve that opportunity. Is it because the color of his skin? Is it because he's just a tag team guy? Is it because he's not a body guy? Is it because he likes video games? There's all these other things that the crowd can relate with and that it's not outright said that it gets people on Kofi Kingston's side. Like to go back to the Usos forfeiting, I think that was also a very pinnacle moment in the story because it showed that it's not just Kofi that wants this. People want this for Kofi. Other wrestlers want this for Kofi. And the Usos being the New Day's biggest rivalry, I would say, or rivals, for them to forfeit 
against the New Day just for Kofi, it showed that everyone is going up against Vince. And Kofi, Kofi is in this long match against Vince McMahon the entire time backstage, and he's finally starting to win this match. It really connected with a lot of people. And in tow, it connected with a lot of people probably backstage who have seen Kofi Kingston throughout the years, throughout their journeys, seeing that he's done everything that's been asked of him and he kills it every night. And now they finally want to see him get that opportunity. And he does get that opportunity because Biggie and Xavier, they run through the gauntlet and they lastly eliminate Daniel Bryan and Rowan when Biggie tosses the announcer's table over Rowan and they win by count out. And the crowd is so into this that they're beating the referee before he counts the 10. There's a, the referees at nine. They're already celebrating. They're on their feet because they know that Kofi Kingston is finally getting his chance at WrestleMania. Did you think Kofi Kingston was going to win in the end? Or did you think it was just going to be, he's just going to get his shot at WrestleMania and that's it. I was hoping that he was going to win like that. That was my main thing. I was thinking like, I'll, like he, he can't lose, but I think at this point, I also knew he was going to win just because I mean, all this story just for him to lose, it would, it would make, it would cause a riot in the WWE community. Like the fans, they would not, they would not have taken that lightly. So I think <laughs> at that point, everyone knew like Kofi's going to win. And now we finally get to WrestleMania 35 and Kofi Kingston defeats Daniel Bryan. And what I think was the best match on the show, my personal favorite match, my, one of my friends, shout out to Scott Eisenberg from shoot the flick. He was there and he said that was one of his, not only his favorite matches, but one of his favorite moments that he saw and one of his favorite rivalries. Where does this rivalry rank to you? Is it top 10? Is it top five? Is it even top three? Oh man, uh, I would I would have to say this rivalry definitely top five, hundred percent for me. It was, I agree. Yeah, it was such a good, so like so well thought out, planned everything. It was from Daniel Bryan's end, from Kofi's end. It was good all around. Even the matches were amazing. Kofi would hold on to this title for uh, a long while. He goes from April all the way to October as WWE champion. Did you expect his reign to last that long? Or did you feel like, all right, he got his moment at WrestleMania. He'll probably lose it fairly quickly to Samoa Joe or Randy Orton or what have you. Did you expect his reign to go that long? Honestly, I had a thought in my back of my mind that he was going to lose it next raw, just because Vince is going to put him against some random dude. He actually looked very strong during it. He got decisive wins. I think he only lost two times and one of them was in a tag match and the other one was by like disqualification against randy orton so he had a very strong reign so they gave him the ball to run with but on the other hand as wwe champion he never closed a pay-per-view he never closed uh one of the main shows yeah and i think a main hindrance to kofi kingston's wwe championship reign was uh the wild card rule uh was that like the you can go show up on any show yeah uh, it was this really weird rule because at this time smackdown and raw are two separate shows two separate rosters and i i'm not sure like the raw ratings were down so and then it was announced after roman reigns got drafted to smackdown that he's gonna show up on raw and i'm like all right this is kind of weird 
And then Kofi Kingston showed up and then Daniel Bryan showed up and Vince McMahon says, all right, it's a wild card rule. Three people from either brand can show up at any time. And then he gets intimidated by uh, Lars Sullivan and he's like, all right, four people. And it's like dipping your toes in the water and then dipping them out again and then dipping them in and out again. So with Kofi Kingston arguably being overexposed on Raw and SmackDown and kind of treated like still how he was before he won the WWE Championship, he's just like there was no real change. It was just Kofi Kingston is WWE Champion. So here you go. We're going to give you as much Kofi as possible until you're you're sick of him almost. Uh, I think the wild card rule in general, I I never really liked it that much. It, it nobody it, did. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of just thrown in there just just to get ratings up, but it did help like build up some matches that were kind of needed in a way. I would say there was a period of time where almost every match would be a two out of three falls match mm. because allegedly, I don't know this for a fact. But allegedly, Vince McMahon didn't like wrestling during commercial breaks because nobody sees it. So right before a break, someone will get a pinfall. And then it's like, all right, when you come back, it'll be the next fall. And then someone will get like two quick falls in a row. And I was just like, that is just so weird. So I think on top with Kofi Kingston winning the WWE Championship, as great as that moment was, then you have all these like kind of rule changes. For me, it kind of hindered Kofi's... Yeah, I I think it did in a in a lot of ways, more than one, but at least it's gone. There's not much that really can be said about the wild card rule. Like it's gone now, so can't hurt anyone anymore. Oh, it still hurts me. I still have the scars from it. <laughs> Usually, when you're top guy, you face top level opponents. He faces Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, Dolph Ziggler, Randy Orton. How did you think about the selection of the opponents? Do you think they were kind of squandering Kofi due to the opponent choice? Or do you think that was on WWE for giving him the stories that they did? It feels disrespectful in a way because he he was the main thing going on. I don't think it was really that smart to have him not main event because the main event, it adds a lot to a match more than like some people think. I felt disrespected as a Kofi fan, but like just Kofi in general, I felt bad Mm -hmm. for him. There were also a lot of great moments during his reign. Like there was the one where Samoa Joe either won him. I I forgot what it was. It's either hand him the title or give him like a handshake. And then Kofi feigns putting out his hand and then he just gives Joe the finger where no one was doing that at the time. I wish we got more of those moments to help develop Kofi's personality instead of being the, one-dimensional uh, wrestler that kind of throws out pancakes and is po- uh, positive all the time. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but when you're WWE champion, you, you should get a chance to show more sides of your personality, of your talents. And I feel like they didn't hit that stride until he got to Randy Orton. For his personality to kind of stay the same with the New Day and power positivity, it did change a little bit. Like he did come more of like a hardened champion who fought for what he believed. But up until the Randy match, he was still 
did stay the character that he's always been. And I didn't really like that too much, but he put on good matches, so I was able to look past it. If you were to change one thing about Kofi Kingston's run, what would it be? The ending. Like, <laughs> it, I, easy. Change how he lost the title. Uh, we should probably get to that, even though <laughs> there, there's not really much to talk about. <laughs> so it's the uh, debut episode of SmackDown on Fox. And it was built for the next couple of weeks. And they did tease this a little bit when uh, Brock Lesnar won Money in the Bank. And it's going to be Brock Lesnar versus Kofi Kingston. And I will give you a recap of the match right now. It's not going to take long. (laughs) Bell rings. Kofi Kingston jumps into Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar F5s him. One, two, three. Brock Lesnar is the WWE champion. Eight seconds. And then he gets attacked by Cain Velasquez because, yes. Forgot about that. (laughs) So... We, we have this ending, and uh, it's safe to say not a lot of people are pleased with it. Mm, no. When this happened, what is your first reaction? Uh, turned the TV off. That was the first <laughs> thing I did. I was, I, I was in the basement of my house. I was really excited. I thought I didn't have much hope for him to win but i was just thinking like maybe it's going to be a good match because brock normally puts on good matches when he actually cares and then kofi is kofi's just kofi so once he ran and got up on his shoulders in the fireman's carry i i could not have expressed my uh my disappointment in any other way besides walking away was that the most disappointed you've been as a wrestling fan thus far i think so yeah i would have to say you see this guy who's been fairly dominant as WWE champion, even though he isn't given the respect as other people in his position were. He, he was still fairly dominant, and he won every match decisively, and for that to upend in eight seconds. And then after he loses the WWE championship, he pretty much goes back to the way things were before, still teaming with new day tag team titles with Big E. it's like deflating a balloon or the winds out of the sails because it felt like we catapulted kofi kingston to this position and we're seeing our guy succeed and then our guy for lack of a better term chokes like just thinking about the match now it it hurts so much but I think in a way that match undid everything that we Kofi kind of fought for and how like the fans fell for him because he was the underdog for almost every single match. If not, I think every match he was the underdog and he put on a good fight for every match, no matter how like the odds were stacked against them. And for an underdog like that, with that much like explosiveness, uh, athleticism, just to lose in eight seconds, it, it was, it did undo everything and kind of brought him back to the new day, which I didn't really like too much, but I I would change the ending a hundred percent. Do you think there will be a time where Kofi Kingston will reach the top of the mountain again? Or do you think this is the only time we're going to see it? I think this is going to be the only time we're going to see it. And then WWE is going to realize that they probably could have done it again. Like when it's too late, 
he's already gone in the Hall of Fame. And then they're going to wish that they did, a, I guess, a part three. Or I would say part two because I think the Bobby Lashley one would be like a Kofi Mania 1.5. It was all about timing with Kofi Mania. It was the perfect time for Kofi to finally show like what he can do. So I, they might just be waiting for Xavier's time. But with them at NXT uh, and Big E still out, uh, it, it might be a little while for that time to come up. Hypothetically, you're showing a new fan or a, a new person to WWE. What for, what specifically from what specifically from Kofi Mania would you show them? What segments? What matches? Would you show them the whole thing? Would you show them just selective pieces? What would you show as a priority? I would love to show them the whole thing. I mean. I feel like Kofi Mania, if you kind of drop them off in a random spot or show them clips, they'll kind of be left a little confused without context. But if I had to pick a spot, like with no context at all, like with previous of what recently happened in Kofi Mania, I would have to start from the uh, the start of the Randy Orton and Kofi uh, rivalry because that they explain everything well there. They show the with the whole stupid thing. They, uh, I, I would say that would be a good. Point if I just wanted to show him a small segment of a uh, Kofi Mania. Something I would recommend to new viewers too is it's on on YouTube too. Watch the Elimination Chamber match and watch when Kofi gets in all the way to the end of the match because you could see as the match goes on and as the eliminations keep happening, the fans keep growing and growing and growing, and the fans keep getting up on their feet and they're screaming. They're hoping Kofi Kingston will win. They're biting on every single false finish. And I also recommend the uh, SmackDown exclusive like WWE.com segments with the New Day. And you get to see their progression there. You could see the progression of frustration of Kofi Kingston not getting this opportunity until he finally does get the opportunity. And obviously watch the Kofi Kingston Daniel Bryan match which is the perfect bow that ties his story together. And it's also uh, in top five matches for me because even without all the rivalry, the match was really good. Just both of them putting everything they got out. Oh, and top five, that's, that's going to be tough to beat. Yeah. This has been Wrestling Retold and Relive with Richie Mars. Thank you to Tommy... Thomas, is there any way uh, people can find you? Do you want to be found? You can find me on most stuff with the name Video Pond. That's normally what it comes on if you look anywhere. Again, this has been Wrestling Retold and Relive with Richie Mars. You could always subscribe and listen to all our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And I'm on the TikTok under One True Richie. So this has been, once again, Wrestling Retold Relived with Richie Mars. And we will see you next time. Same time, same place. TTFN, ta-ta for now.